Praise the Lord this morning. I am glad. We are excited to be here this morning. I will say that it may not have been bravery. Um, I have never known for being real bright, so you take that for what it's worth. We are glad to be here this morning. I, I give honor to your pastor, his wife, and this beautiful church. We're excited to be with you, and with that, let's get into the Word for a few moments. We'll start out in the book of Luke this morning. 13th chapter, and I've got some notes here, and we'll start with them, and then we'll see where we end up. Generally, that's nowhere near where my notes started out, uh, but the book of Luke, the 13th chapter, we're going to start with verse 6, and read through verse 9, it says, he spake also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it to the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. I'd like to take a moment and ask the Lord if he would anoint our hearts that we could receive this morning, anoint the lips of clay, that his word can speak to our hearts and into our lives this morning. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we exalt you, we ask this morning as we come to learn that you speak into our hearts, Lord, you teach through your word toward us. We thank you, we praise and exalt you, Lord. You are mighty God, holy and worthy, and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. I will attempt to keep it under 30 minutes this morning. My, my grandfather who was a wealth of wisdom, told me shortly after I began pastoring, like second or third sermon shortly after, son, 30 minutes is long enough for a good sermon and way too long for a bad one. And I had preached longer than 30 minutes, and you can take what came from there, but I, I don't think he meant it was a good one. Um, Christ is speaking here in parables, and he's, he's talking of this fig tree, and he says if there's no fruit in this fig tree, and the, the guy comes, he says to his, to his helper here, I've, I've had this fig tree for three years, it's been here, and, and, and I've come each year to get my figs, and I go to pick them, and I, I can imagine that maybe he's, he's trying to make him a delicious fig newton, and there is no figs on his tree, and the second year he returns, and once again, fig newtons are not in his future. In the third year, he returns, and he says, I'm tired of this tree. It's, it's not getting me anywhere. It's not doing anything, so let's just chop it down. Why, why cumbereth you to the ground? Why are we wasting good ground on this unproducing tree? It has no fruit. And the, the keeper there of his vineyard says, let's take just a minute. Let's, let's dig around the tree. Let's put some life into these roots. Let's put a little fertilizer around it, and, and let's see next year. Let's give it one more year, and if, if next year it doesn't have any fruit, then we'll break out the chainsaw. But until then, let's, let's take some time to work with it. It says if there's no fruit, and we work the tree, and then there's still no fruit, after that the tree will have no use, and after that we can cut the tree down. Peter was talking about fruit, and we're going to shift gears for a few moments, go to the book of 2 Peter, and we'll be for most of the rest of the morning in the first chapter of 2 Peter. And we, we look at this 
passage as Peter writes here, and we read the fruits of the spirits, and generally we look at this passage, and we're looking at all of the fruits of the spirit, the virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity. And I want to take a few moments this morning to look at the preceding, the before and after verses here and see what exactly Peter is saying, why he's giving us all these fruits. Because I think it's important and I think as we get through it we'll find that it ties in with Christ's parable of the fig tree because as we grow in Christ, we need to begin to produce fruit. I'd like to take a couple minutes to see what Peter had to say about that. We're going to start with verse 3. first two verses are his, uh, just his greeting as he's writing this epistle, this book. He says, this is I, it's Peter, and I'm a servant of God. And he's giving you his, uh, his greeting and telling you who he is. We're going to start with verse 3. He says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, wherefore, or whereby, excuse me, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We're given these things, he says, by divine power and through his knowledge that we might partake of his divine nature. He's saying that we might become part of his body, that we can become what he wants us to be, and he's given us this by his divine power and through his knowledge. As I read that, I begin to see that Peter saw some importance to these fruits that he's giving us. We, we identify a tree, you see, by its fruit. If it's got a lemon, it's not an apple tree. If it's got an acorn, it's not a pear tree. If it's got a persimmon, you wait till after the frost to eat it. You may not have persimmon trees down here. I don't know. It's flat and sandy. But where I come from, we've got these little round things, the persimmons, and they're really delicious. Eat them after the frost. And my, my uncles always thought it was really good to get me to eat one prior to the frost. And you get this bitter, nasty, really unpleasant taste that doesn't leave your mouth for some time. And... I, being the bright young child that I was, fell for it every year, sometimes more than once a year. But we, we identify this tree by its fruit, and Peter is writing this letter to the church, and he says, hey, we, God has given us through his divine power and through his knowledge these things that we need to add to our faith. We, and I'm getting a verse ahead, but we get to the next verse, we're going to read that we add these things to our faith, and he says, we're learning that as we come to Christ, we, we have this transgression or this transition that we start here and we end up in heaven, but we don't just stay at this point and then jump to this point. We have this, this road that we travel. And he says in verse 5, beside this, giving diligence, add to your faith. You've, you've come to this point, and the truth, as we've come to call them, these fruits are what we should strive to add to our faith. We, we start on this journey and we have repentance and then we have baptism and then we're filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit and all of this is necessary. We, we have to have this. As, as we read in the book of Acts, as Peter, they're asking Peter, what do we do? And he says, 
Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for mission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he promised to you and your children, and all those are far off. And as, as good apostolics, most of us probably can quote those. Or you, you learn it in Sunday school, and you keep quoting it, and maybe Bible quizzing, and you, and you pick these things up, and you can quote them. But Peter's saying it's not enough just to get to that point, but you've got to continue to grow. You've got to continue to add these things, and these things that we call fruits, and we call them fruits because as we begin to grow in Christ, these are the things that we begin to bear. And he says these fruits are what we should strive or we should be diligent to add to our faith. Because as we grow, that's what we are expected to do. And he gives each of these fruits, and we don't have time this morning to, to go through in time and in depth, each of the fruits of the Spirit, but we'll, we'll read through them once again. You, you add virtue, and then to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity, or love. And he's, I, I read it in, in my reading, and you can take this for, for what it's worth, but as a, as a progression, and I'm adding one, and then another, and then another, and then another, and as I'm growing closer to being like Christ, I'm growing to the point that when I can get to loving like Christ loves, it says, to godliness, charity. And then he goes on to explain why he wants all these things, and we're going to jump to verse 8. He says, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we have these and we abound. Now, when I, any time in Scripture, read this word abound, I am reminded of Christ. He says, I am come that you have the mind of life, and life more abundantly, more full, more vibrant, more exciting. I, I can't imagine a boring church. As an apostolic, I'm used to abundance. And Christ says, I'm come that you have life more abundantly. And as Peter writes here, he says, as you have these fruits and you begin to abound, you begin to be this vibrant, this fruit-producing Christian. And I begin to think now of that tree. And the, the vineyard owner is looking at it and says, I don't have much abundance in this fig tree. Why don't you grab my saw? Why don't you get my saw out and we're just going to go ahead and take care of this because I don't have abundance here. And, and the, the vineyard keeper is saying, wait a minute. Let's just work with it just a little bit. Let's dig around a little more. And if we can look and find ourselves in a place, we can say, wait a minute. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm, I, I, I've, I've repented and I've, I've been down in the water and I've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Maybe I've started here. I've started there. But all of a sudden... I, I look and somewhere I'm not producing the fruit that I needed to produce. Maybe I need to dig into the Word a little bit. And I need to dig around in my life and I need to find what it is that's causing me not to produce these fruits so that I can grow closer to Him, that I can have this abundance, that I can begin to be a abundant or a fruitful servant. So we get to verse 9. But he that lacketh these things, is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old 
sins. My granny would sing a lot of songs, and from time to time, she'd get her accordion out. It, I was reading this. I, I got up this morning, was going over my notes, and I had them kind of on my phone and written scratched here on the back of this and over there. I was like, oh, i got to get all these in, in one place so I don't have five pieces of mail and a cell phone up here to, to teach from. And as I began to put all of this together, I, I began to get on my heart the, the old song, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. I cannot imagine, I don't ever want to get to the place that I forget what it is that he's done or where it is that he's brought me out of. But, but as Peter writes here, he says, if you are not, if you are lacking in the fruits of the Spirit, what you are doing is forgetting. He's not saying necessarily that you don't remember where you came from because the human memory is a pretty good thing. We probably remember the sin that we were in. But we are forgetting in that we're no longer honoring what it is that God did for us. Because we're not living our lives in a way. We've got to remember that we're serving a God that says, Be ye holy as I am holy, or be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, there's a whole lot of reconciliation that has to go for me ever to be holy, for me ever to be perfect. But if I'm not producing fruits and I'm not striving as he wrote at the beginning of this, he's not saying we have to be perfect the whole time. He's saying we've got to strive to add these, that each day I need to add another fruit to what I had yesterday, and tomorrow I probably ought to try to add another fruit. If, if that fig tree never does grow, he's going to next year cut it down and plant another tree. He won't leave the ground empty, but he'll put something else in that place because he wants to grow fruit from his vineyard. Peter says, if you are not having these, if you're lacking the fruits of the Spirit in your life, if you're lacking these things that you need to add to your faith, then you're not striving diligently to add them and add something to draw you closer and to be more like God, then you are not honoring what it is He did for you. I, as I read that this week, as I was putting this together, that's a, a sobering thought that I can think of Calvary. I can think of God's sacrifice of robing himself in flesh, coming to this earth, living on this earth, then his three and a half years of ministry, and then the, the road to Calvary and the time on the cross. We not long ago celebrated Easter and all that entails, and I, I think of all of that, and then I the natural progression from there is then to think of all of that in its inaction in my life and where God brought me from and what he did in my life and the, the sin and the things that he brought me out of and when he brought me to, to him. And I, I think of all of that and I can't imagine how sobering it is to look back and say, wait a minute, I'm living my life in a way that dishonors all that he did, in the way that is unthankful of all that he's done for me because I am not striving to add to my faith. We get to verse 10 there, and then he, he even goes further. Peter goes further to say that by living this life, you, you dishonor but, or don't remember. But then he goes on to say, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. He says, if you want to make sure that you're going to make heaven your home, 
you're going to make sure that you're going to make it in the long run, you diligently add to your faith. You continue to strive and you continue to work to add these things to your faith. You try to grow to become that fruit-producing tree to make your calling, your election sure. And then in verse 11 he says, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. An abundant entrance is administered if I can diligently add. Hebrews chapter 4 talks of our, our work ceasing and laboring in his work if we are to enter into rest. We, we see this same concept not just here in 2 Peter, but throughout Scripture. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that we are to grow in our walk with Christ and not remain as a babe, but to eventually to grow out of our carnality. What do we read? Be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I don't ever want to be a barren fig tree. I don't ever want to look at a place, and as we study throughout Scripture and we read, I've been focusing the past uh, few weeks on the Pauline epistles. I've been reading a book, um, and the name of it off the top of my head, but Be Like Christ or something along those lines is the title of the book. Um, but I've been reading that and kind of focusing that with a study on the Pauline epistles and looking at, at Christian living and how that we're told to live our lives. As we read through those and we begin to study, it's, it's growing apparent that it's not enough for me simply to make a first step or a second step. I can't just start down a path and expect to finish it. We drove over here this morning, and I didn't just get in the van and turn it on and say, okay, I've made it. My kids, they, they want to ask a lot of questions, so I went ahead and turned on the GPS in the van, and they've got screens in the back, and if I'll put the address in here, it'll tell them on their screen how long before we get there. So I don't have to answer every three minutes, are we there yet, are we there yet, are we there yet? In fact... They figured out that they can set it up that every 15 minutes it pops up with an update. This long left, this many miles left, and this is the time you'll arrive. And then we left, and it said we'd arrive at 10.45, and then, or at 9.45, and then there wasn't any traffic, and the road was straight and clear, so we got here at 9.30. Um, but the kids, they did, they knew all of that. They didn't have to keep asking, are we there yet, are we there yet? But they knew that a journey had to transpire. So, well, how far is it? I said, well, I think it's about 51 minutes, according to my phone. So we're going to have just a little bit of time to till we get there, and we're going to be in the car. So we'll stop at Dunkin' Donuts. We'll get you some coffee. The little girls will get you some donut holes, and and you'll have something to keep you occupied there, and, and we'll make this trip. But even once I got through Papa Bluff and I turned on to 53, I still couldn't stop there and expect to be here. I drove through Campbell and even at Campbell, I still couldn't park in Campbell and expect to be here. And we kept on going and we, we turned on to 25 and even then I'm still not here. I've still got to come into, had to come on into Kennett and then I had to go ahead and make a couple turns before I could ever make it 
And sometimes we take our relationship with God as if we get in the car and we start it. And in our mind, okay, I'm already there. But I think as we read here, be it Paul writing to the church in Corinth or to the Hebrew people or Peter writing in 2 Peter as he lays out these fruits, it becomes apparent that if I am going to get there, I've got to do more than simply start. But I've got to add to my faith. I've got to strive each day to be more like Christ than I was yesterday. I've got to work each day to, to be a little better than I was yesterday. And the Japanese have a concept, and I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to try to. I'm just going to describe it to you. I learned about it in college where I studied engineering, and they, they talk of this concept where each day you do 1% better than you were yesterday. Not 20%, not 40%, not, not I need to be twice the man I was yesterday, but 1% better, Pastor. And tomorrow they'll be 1% better than they were today. And the next day they want to do something 1% better than they did today. And in doing that, they continuously approve, improve, excuse me. They continuously make their, their product better, their factory cleaner, their, everything they do becomes a better process because they've improved it by 1% from yesterday. I don't know that we, we need to put some quantification because... My God is not a, well, you're only going to be 1% better God. My God looks at impossibilities and sees opportunities. My God looks at what can't be done and says, let me do something over there. So I, I don't know that I want to look at this, this concept and say just 1%, but what I do want to look is each day say, Lord, if you could just make me a little more like you than I was yesterday. God, if you could just... If you could add and help me to be a little more abundant today, if I could produce a little more fruit today than I produced yesterday. God, if I could wake up tomorrow and again tomorrow begin to say, Lord, today could I, could I be more like you? I was taught, and I'm going to close with this, I was taught early on in my ministry. Uh, been pastoring. I was a very young pastor. We, we pastored at 23, and with that becomes a, with youth comes emotion. And I was struggling because I, I, I expected to come in and on day two have a hundred soul revival. And mind you, we were in a town of less than 2,000, and I was, I was expecting to run 3,000 by week four. Um, so I, all of a sudden, I've got these huge expectations, and I'm sitting in my office floor, bawling my eyes out, because, God, we don't have, we've been here a whole month, and we haven't had to build a building yet. I mean, what's going on, Lord? And so then I proceeded to transition, because it was lunchtime from my office floor across the street to my grandparents' house, because that's what you do when you're pastors. You go across the street and let Granny cook your lunch each day. And I, so I go across the street, and I sit down, and we finish eating, we migrate to the living room. I said, Paul, I don't know what's going on. I, I see all these things, and, and yet it's not there. And he says, son, you're, you're trying to quantify God's idea of success in your life. I said, but really, you should get up each morning and say, Lord, let me do your will today. And at the end of each morning, pray, Lord, did I do your will today? 
If, if the answer to that question is yes, then you have been successful. And if the answer to that question is yes, if I can look at the end of my day and say, Lord, am I more like you than I was yesterday? Then I'm successful. And if at the end of my day I can say, Lord, am I, did I produce more fruit than I did yesterday? And if I can say that I did, if today I, I was diligent and I added to my faith today, then I'm doing what I've been asked. And in doing that, what I see then is that ministered unto me is an entrance and abundance to his kingdom. This morning, I just want to leave us with the thought that simply let's strive, let's be diligent to add to our fruit, to be abundant and fruit producing and more like him than we were yesterday. Thank you, Lord. I'd like for us to stand together and for us to prepare to pray that prayer that God would help us to act upon the word that we've heard. I uh, know it's been a long time that I've studied mathematics, but I believe in mathematics before you learn multiplication, you learn addition. And there are things that we want. We want to see multiplication, but I believe before we can see multiplication, we have to get addition. And today we've heard a wonderful lesson on adding, and I want to ask each of you to ask God to help you to add so that we can multiply. I believe that's what's going to happen. Would you pray? Today, Father, we are grateful for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your word. We want to thank you for your word that you have shared with us this morning. We are grateful, God for the good word that we have heard. And I pray today that we will take action upon the word that we have heard and that we will add, God, that we will add these things that we have heard today. We want not to be barren, but we want to produce fruit. We want to see a multiplication, God. We want the revival that you have, a revival of multiplication. But, God, you've got to help us first to add to the things that we have so that we can see the things that you desire for us to see. Personally, I say today, God, help me to be better today than I was yesterday and ask the same for tomorrow. And as we do these things, God, we know that we shall never fall. We shall see success if we will simply make application to the word that we have heard today. And we pray it. Now somebody lift your hands and thank God that he heard your prayer and that he will do what you asked him to. God, I pray and give thanks for that that you have heard, you will respond to, and we will reap a result. God, I believe that you are adding, and I pray that you would help us, God, to continue to add so that we can multiply. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let the church say amen. God bless you. We're going to take a few moments break, and then we're going to begin. We're going to be celebrating our uh, young people, our children as they come in. We're going to have a time of promotion and then also give away our gifts for Save Our Children and then begin service with a time of prayer, praying for our needs. I know that God's going to meet us here and we're grateful. God bless you.